Welcome to the Table Podcast. We hope what you hear today inspires joy in your heart and causes you to be convinced that God is good and He is for you. Enjoy the message. Typically, when you want to find out how something works best according to its design, you consult or ask the Creator. See, the one who designed it is the one who has the best insight for its use. Yet in relationships, this seems to be an afterthought. It's almost as if we take ownership of something we didn't invent and assume that we know how it works best instead of consulting the originator. See, I heard a pastor say, anything that doesn't get used for its intended purpose is abusing it. Let me say that again. Anything that doesn't get used for its intended purpose is abusing it. Hmm. What if that's been our approach to relationships? What if we have ultimately been abusing them because we never knew their design? Perhaps we've all been victims of someone who used relationship in a way that God never intended. We have all experienced hurt and disappointed. Maybe we are the ones that hurt others. But either way, we all need the grace of God to understand relationships. As a matter of fact, we need God in our relationships. Even better, we need relationship with God. And all this time, it seems we should have been looking to God for relationship instead of using God to pacify us until we get in one. Let me say that again. See, it seems all this time we should have been looking to God for relationship instead of using God to pacify us until we got in one. Yeah, I like how those girls be on Facebook saying date night with God. But you're really only saying that because you want a date night with somebody else. I've seen that, oh, I'm learning how to cook for my wife, but really you're just trying to let people know that you're available. <laughs> Look, I can expose us because I've been there. I've been there. And, and what we thought was so attractive is to let people know what giftings we have and how good we are at things so that they'll want us. But really the most likable thing that you'll ever have is Christ in you. The only thing that's ever going to keep somebody satisfied is Christ. The only time you'll ever have something worth meaningful relationships, you know, like all of those things are going to come if it's centered in Christ. So here's what we've done. We've asked God to bless us in something that we won't ask him how to do. We've asked God to say, oh, yeah, you're good at this, but we never get good at getting close to God. And we're wondering why time after time we've had failed relationship after failed relationship after failed relationship. And I'm not just talking about dating. I'm talking about friendships family. Because when I say relationships one-on-one, I'm not just talking about romantic. I'm talking about doing life with people. How have we gotten it wrong? Because we never ask the creator what it's supposed to look like. We never ask the one who designed relationships to tell us, is this healthy? We never consulted and said, am I healthy? What is the standard? Obviously, God has given us one, but we think we know better until something goes wrong. And let me tell you, you know, relationships are a desire of all of our hearts. Let me tell you why. Because I can remember the reason why I fell off and started partying and all that stuff is just because I wanted some friends. It's not because I knew it was cool. It's not because I really thought it was going to satisfy me. I just wanted to belong somewhere. And people in the world were the only ones giving me an invitation. Now, I ain't mad at the church. I'm just saying it would have been real cool to meet some people who were passionately in love with Jesus that said, hey, I got a better life that you don't have to sacrifice everything. I wish I would have had some Siobhan's in my life to say, hey, girl, I know you think that's cool, but let me show you where real life is. See, 
Every single person probably has the same testimony, and I bet you there's another person involved, whether you did bad or good, because God designed us to be influenced by each other. God gave us the authority to influence each other. Now, we can use that for good or for evil, but it's happening. That's why so many people want to know how to make relationships work. It's at the center of our minds all the time. And rightly so, because God designed it that way. This is what he wanted, for us to be in relationship, but his way, so that we could avoid the pitfalls and the pain and the hurt that comes with doing things outside of his will. He has been the prize of our lives, and looking to other people just points out how desperately flawed we are at love and how much we need him. You see, I believe creation tells the story of who has been always intimately known by God, us. He loved us first. And see, if you try to get the order wrong, you will desperately fail. But when you realize that God was the one that created and initiated, you will enjoy much more fruitful relationships. I believe that God's love is one of the most fulfilling and enduring love relationships we can experience. So, People who know me should know where I'm about to go right now. There you go. Let's go into chapter one. <laughs> I've never, ever doubted, you know, in my mind that Genesis is just like one of my favorites. It just is. But where else could you go to figure out how relationships began? But the beginning. Hmm. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter one, verse 26 through 28. And I'm reading from the New American Standard. It says, then God said, let us Make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and cover every living thing that moves on earth. Notice that God initiated relationship with humanity and offered something to us, not took away from us. This is the first aspect of healthy relationship. God said, let me create you like me and make sure the first thing you ever learn how to do is receive. Let me make sure you understand that I am the most efficient at giving you what satisfies. I am the one that will provide what you need. You see, at this point, we're just a dream of God. And he knows exactly the way that he wants to have relationship with us. Where he gives us so many great things and hasn't asked for anything. Most people get in relationships for the opposite reason for what they can get from somebody, not what they can give to someone. That's where unhealthy relationships start. And see, God wanted to let it be known from the beginning that he was the only one sufficient in giving, and he does it well. What's interesting about this also is we never really studied what does it mean to be in the image of God. See, some people have said it's our ability to reason it's our ability to have a thought. It's our ability to discern things. It's our ability to communicate with the language and all those other things. But I believe that God had another purpose. 
we're the only part of creation that knows how to do relationship, not instinct. You know, you look at all the other animals and they flock together and all that stuff, and we know that's not love. That's just instinct. That there's no intentionality about who they choose. They just respond instinctively as they have been designed. Oh, but humanity, we got free will. We got the ability to choose people. We got the ability to say, hey, I want to see if there's something in that person or in that person that I can glean from, that I can draw from. And, and it's so interesting to me that our value in creation was always about our existence, not about what we can get out of something. He lets us be valued because we were made. And, and in his likeness, I can imagine that there's so many other things that God is like that we're not, thank God. But obviously, relationship was something that God knew how to do before you. <laughs> See, in this study that I was doing, I discovered that being in the image of God actually has a lot to do with how we relate to God and community. One of the ways that we bear Christ's likeness most is when we're in healthy, functioning relationships with love being the motive. That might be on the screen, I don't know. Um, for real. But <laughs> there's this moment where we realize that in his likeness also means something else. It means that naturally, he's given us the ability to take authority. See, it looks like as soon as he decided to make us, he told us that we could be over something. He told us that he wants us to rule, that he wants us to actually express what authority looks like. God designed us to be a model of what he's doing in heaven. Wow. You don't just give that to somebody you don't love. You don't give that type of care and consideration and authority to someone that you, you'll throw away the first time they make a mistake. I'm talking to somebody. You don't give that type of responsibility and delegation in creation if you're worried about failure. Oh, oh, yeah, I said that. And, and so here we realize that our desire for relationship, our desire to connect with people, our desire to be loved, our desire to be in community actually matches God's desire. Why is that? Because we are in his likeness. But I've heard so many people say, I don't think God is relational. My question to you is, how did you become relational? If God isn't and you were made in his image, then how did you do it? You're a copy. You're a copy of an originator. So obviously God wants to relate to you. He's not distant. He actually knows you better than you know you because you're made after him. And he's not confused about who he is. He's not wondering who he's supposed to be. He has a confident assurance in that, and he made you with that in mind. He wants you to have that same assurance in who you are. And he is a better relater than anybody you know. Hmm. See, we've often failed to see God as relational, but the truth is we couldn't be relational if he wasn't. See, he made us in his image and his likeness. And many times we've tried to make God in our image instead of realizing that we've been made in his. Why do I say that? Because I've heard people say, well, I don't come to church no more because this person. Well, I don't go in the community. I don't do this because that person. 
that is not the image of God. See, there's a lot of ways where we're like him, but there's plenty of ways where he's not like us. Thank God for that. Because he's endless in mercy and kindness and grace and gentleness. And let's just be honest, we don't do that with each other. If we were in charge of salvation, we'd be picking and choosing who we want based on what they've done or haven't done. We'd have a short list of people we'd like to get in. But that's not up to us, thank God. (laughs) God is way better at relationships than us. He's way better at including He's way better at believing the best about who you are. He's way better at this thing. And if we choose to find out who he is, we find ourselves and we find our joy because people cannot give it to you. You cannot pay for it. You cannot work for it. And God gives it freely because he is sufficient in love and he's good at relationship. I'm glad that he's not like me. God also knew that we needed community. In Genesis 2, 16 through 18, it's interesting because he gives us the mind and the heart and the desire of what he wanted to see us do as humanity. And then he gets a little bit more intimate in the next chapter. It says, the Lord commanded the man saying, and it might be, Let's see. Yeah, that's right. Okay. From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. So so a little bit before this happens, it, it talks about how God formed man from the dust. And some people say that it was clay, like a potter and clay, and he breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life, and man became a being, which means if you have to breathe into somebody, you're intimately close to them. When, when you kneel down and breathe, you're, you're as close as you could possibly be. And, and so we realize that because there's a relationship here, God is establishing boundaries. <laughs> this is now my favorite word. <laughs> this is what I didn't have for a long time and I was wondering why things were unhealthy. Because God said, now we're in relationship, this is intimate, we're close, but here are the boundaries. And so many times we think that this passage is about us being deprived from something, but it's about establishing a boundary. God is saying, I'm still in authority. I may have given you authority, but you're under mine. This is the representation of boundaries. Where he's saying, this is how you can operate for relationship to function. And he gives him the consequence. He says, now you could go against this, but something will happen. Because if we don't set boundaries and actually hold true to what we say, then somebody's gonna keep abusing us because we don't respond with, no, now you can't come here. Now you can't come back. Relationship cannot be the same. You see, something was gonna happen in the nature of this relationship when the boundary was broken. And it's not a punishment when you set boundaries, it's safety. Boundaries are not to hurt people because they will manipulate you and say, man, that really hurts my feelings that you won't let me, you know, come over at midnight. (laughs) No, 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 that's protection. That's protection. Well, it really hurts me that you can't talk to me past this hour. No, 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 that's really just protection because we all know nothing godly happens during those hours. Let's just be real. 
And so a lot of times boundaries are not to hurt anybody's feelings. It's to protect you from something that you think you want, but you really don't want. Because the consequence of your sin is a lot bigger. (laughs) We have all these implications in our head like, okay, well, this probably won't happen this time because nobody knows. Uh Uh-uh. That's the way that you get in trouble. That's the way that you get hurt. And the thing is, God knows that sin's going to beat you up enough. That's why he doesn't want you to engage in it. He already knows that sin is going to tear you down, break you down, hurt your heart. You know, to the extreme version, really put you in a place of depression. Put you in a place where you want to self-harm. God knows when we don't keep the right boundaries how dangerous it is for us. And that's why he established boundaries at the beginning of intimacy. That's why we have to do the same thing. I don't even know where that came from. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> so moving on to Genesis 2, 21, verse 22. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned in to a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. See, it was God who determined that it wasn't good for man to be alone. Let me say that again. (laughs) It was God who determined that it was not good for man to be alone. In other words, Adam did not come up to God and say, God, I don't have no boo, and I see everybody on Facebook got a boo. Adam did not come up to God and be like, you know, I've been single, I've been doing this church thing, and I can't find no woman. He never even knew that there was a need because an intimate relationship with God, you do not have one. When you are in the presence of God, he will fully satisfy you so much that it will have to be God's idea for somebody else to come because you don't even need nobody. Adam did not even know that a woman would exist. Nor was he concerned. He had authority. He was walking in his purpose. He knew he was ruling over something. Guys, I'm speaking to y'all. If you ain't ruling over nothing, you might not need no help if you don't have no vision. You might not need no help with anything if you're not putting your hands to anything. Because Adam was in authority over something. And God said, oh, now he needs some help. But if you not, you good. <laughs> you good, just you and God. <laughs> now, I ain't hating on nobody because, you know, everybody's talking about some, ain't nobody going to be in a relationship when we get done with this series. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> we going to get into it. I, I, love, I love relationships. That's why I'm talking about it. But I just want to make sure that we have the right standard. And God didn't make it obscure. He said from the beginning, we have authority. We have intimacy with him. And really, that's all we need. I didn't say this before. And I guess because now is the time to say it. That also being in the image of God was about multiplying the earth. So obviously, God has a purpose for marriage and reproduction so that that authority will continue to increase and will continue to bear the image of God from generation to generation. But let me tell you, if you don't know God's purpose, there's no point in you pursuing that. If you don't understand what you're in authority over and what God has given you, 
You don't need no help and you don't need to recreate yourself. <laughs> Look, I promise I'm not trying to beat y'all up. <laughs> I just, this is stuff I had to learn. Let me tell on myself right now. You see, I'm still not married. I had to learn. The Lord had to let me know. Like, I'm, I'm not saying this because it's good to hear. I'm telling you, I'm trying to free you right now. Because a lot of people have been upset thinking that they had a less than life because they didn't have a ring. But last time I checked, you got everything you needed with God. This is not a second class life. This is not a, oh, I need to do this until. This is life. This is life. Now, next year, that might not be the story. We're going to talk about that later. <laughs> Because I can tell you my testimony of what God has done, but I want to get through this. I want to use up all my time. I can testify. But again, we see that God determined when you needed help. God knew, all right, as soon as I give you a command, as soon as I tell you something not to do, that's as soon as he needs say, let me get this woman in here. As soon as he gave Adam a command, of what not to do, he realized he needs help. See, he was fine with the authority, but when he realized that he was submitting to authority, he needed help. Now this goes across all of us, because I don't want you to think this is like a man-woman thing. What I'm saying is that as soon as you realize who you are and what you have in Christ, you need people that will remind you who you submit to. That's what community is for. People need to stand alongside you and remind you who you submit to. You submit to God. And he knew Adam would need help in that area. See, I love that Adam never perceived that there was a need until God provided. He didn't know that there was a question until God provided the answer. See, God didn't, you know, say, hey, have you been thinking about the fact that you're lonely? Because that wasn't happening in God's presence. Now, there's a such thing as being alone, but you can't be lonely when you're in the presence of God. And so many times people are, you know, I'm lonely, I'm lonely. Well, that's really your fault. Because all you have to do is get in the presence of God. All you have to do is connect to Christ, and instantly, you're not alone. You can't be lonely when God is satisfying you with everything that you need. That is a lie from the enemy for you to go outside of God's will and hurt yourself. Loneliness is the biggest lie of the enemy to tell you, I should just stay in isolation and wait for somebody to come to me. No, what the enemy is doing is making sure he can bombard you with every lie he can because you don't know whose authority you submit to, and you will believe his lies. We ain't got time to go into chapter three because that's exactly what happened. Hmm, that's another message. Don't, I'll be wanting to go there. There was a time when they realized, I think I know better than God. And, and when, when Eve got away from her community, when she got away from the one that knew God better than she did, the enemy came and told her a lie about God. This is how trust was breached, because she got isolated. See, it's never good for man or woman to be alone. That is still true to this day. 
And God was anticipating isolation will put you in a place where you're subject to lies. Isolation will put you in a place where you're subject to believe something that's not true of God or of yourself. That's why you need community. That's why it wasn't good for man to be alone. And let me tell you, when the enemy sees that you're walking in authority, that you put your hands to something, let it be known he's trying to come after you with deception because he knows you're taking over his territory. He knows. He knows. He used the same tricks from the beginning to the end. He's just hoping that we're not aware. <laughs> See, God provided for Adam what he needed while he was in a place of rest. You remember in verse 21 it says, sleep fell upon the man and God did the rest. He didn't even know what was about to happen. But in the rest of God, he found out God was providing something. <laughs> While he was laying down, not concerned about a thing because he was fully assured in God's love, he was fully assured in God's heart for him. This is when God said, now, let me provide for you what you need. He was in a restful place. Do you know what a restful place looks like? Not worrying about when you're going to get married. Not worrying about who likes you or doesn't like you or who's attracted to you or who's not. A restful place looks like not trying to be seen, mm, just serving. A restful place looks like you acknowledging who you are in Christ and being in love with who you are instead of looking for someone else to affirm you. A place of rest looks like you giving and pouring out to other people because you don't need anything back from them because you have God's presence. You can serve and you can do everything that you need to do without feeling like you're lacking because God keeps filling you over and over and over. That's what it looks like to rest when God provides. Matter of fact, it's like he tapped Adam and Adam was like, oh, oh, oh you gave me something. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's really how it works. I, I can testify to that. I was minding my own business, you know, trying to start this new ministry, be a young adult pastor. I'm like, you know what? I'm good. I can get married when I'm 40. It's just me and Jesus. Let's go. Let's go. You know, I'm about that life. And then the Lord said, just rest. I got you. And I was like, oh, no, I'm cool. Like, I meant that. <laughs> and a lot of times we do that because we're insecure and we're fearful. Let me just put that out there since I'm going to share the testimony anyway. And, and we get to a place where we feel like, well, I don't really want somebody to really know me like that. And we pour ourselves into serving because really we just want to stay hidden because we don't want to be vulnerable. I'm telling on myself. I'm telling. And, and so a part of me is like, it's just me and Jesus because it's safe. A part of me was like, I'm, I'm good because it is safe for me. And, and the other part is just selfishly thinking like, now how much time I got to give to somebody? What do I have to put in? What kind of work do I have to do? But let me tell you, when you are rooted in Christ, it's never work. When you are rooted in Christ, your relationships flow from a place of overflow. See, the problem that we've had is that we haven't been filled up and we're still drawing from someone else. And that's why we're exhausted because we didn't let God satisfy us first. And we're stingy with what we give out because we think we're not getting no more. But God is abundant. He is abundant. 
And so in the moment when I'm not paying attention, I'm resting fully who I am in Christ, and all of a sudden someone pursues me. And I kind of laugh like, <laughs> you don't want to talk to me. <laughs> you do know who I am, right? <laughs> you know, I'm doing this young adult pastor thing, and I'm a girl. <laughs> you know, that would challenge a man's confidence, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, nah, because he knows who he is in Christ. As a matter of fact, that should be the thing that draws you to a woman. It should be the thing that you see her serving in her good works and the things that she's doing for God. And the reason why it happened is because he saw Christ in me, not no status, not no position, not no title. And that's the way it should be. And I really find it funny that the first year that I'm the pastor of this ministry and we do this relationship series, for once, I'm in a relationship. <laughs> I know that's the Lord because there's some people that broke up with their boyfriends because of my testimony about seven years ago. Y'all up in here. I love you. I love you, Maddie Kay. Yes, it happened. It happened. And we rejoice now because she is a solid woman of God, walking in full freedom. And there's so many more things God is doing in her life because she realized where her priorities had to be. See, I ran too long. It's all right. <laughs> and, and the thing that is so good about God is he gives us a need that we didn't recognize. He didn't even know. Adam didn't even know. I need a person to partner with me in this. I need a person that's going to pray with me and stand alongside me in this. I need somebody that's going to help me because there's a vision that's bigger than myself. And I know I'm not supposed to do this alone, but only when God determines it will it bear the most fruit. Mm -mm. So we look at God and we see that not only is he sufficient in relationship, but he's also sufficient in his instruction about them. He says, this is the way that it works well. And if any element is missing, it's just because you haven't asked God's presence to come in it. It's not another person that you're waiting on. It's that you haven't opened an area of your life to God. I love the fact that Jesus is the relationship expert. Jesus clearly reveals our relationship with the Father and with others through his life. Jesus, the second Adam, reveals how humanity was initially designed to relate to God and others. See, we're about to look at a passage that helps us understand relationships' priority. Jesus is telling us the best way to live a fulfilled life in him. Matthew 22 verses 36 through 40. So there's a lawyer there and, you know, they're trying to grill Jesus because they don't really understand that he's like the son of God, so he knows everything. But they say, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. And I like that he says that. He's basically not trying to give a hierarchy. He's saying these should happen simultaneously. When he says the second is like it, he's saying as you're doing this, this other one's happening. I need to point that out because a lot of people don't share it that way. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. I did this study and it said heart, soul, and mind do not represent rigid compartments of human existence, but rather together refer to the whole person. He may separate those different things, but what he's saying is if your whole person receives the love of God, your whole purpose will, your whole person will love people. Yeah. 
Let me say that again. When your whole person receives the love of God as a priority of life, your whole person will love the people next to you. See, he's not giving you a command that he hasn't empowered you to do by his spirit. But what he is telling you is that there's a vertical focus in order to make your horizontal relationships work. He's saying, looking to me and getting affirmed by me and getting love from me and receiving my heart, receiving my joy, receiving all the things that comes from me to you, you can extend to other people simultaneously. What a beautiful picture of priority in relationship. Hmm. We desire in our hearts to have human relationships, but don't understand the standard for them because we don't know Christ. And a lot of the things that I endured in my relationships are because I didn't know who Jesus was for me. And I didn't know my identity. So I settled for whatever I could get, even if it was destructive. Here's what's wrong with that. If we had a vertical view of how good God was loving us, we would never let somebody do it terribly. (laughs) If we really realized how good God was at loving, we wouldn't give anybody else a chance to love us that didn't love like him. If we were assured in who we were in our identity in Christ, we would realize what we deserve and what we don't deserve. And let me tell you one of the biggest lies I believed is, oh, well, I can't judge people. (laughs) Well, let me tell you, that may be true to this day, but I can check your fruit. I can't tell you where your life is headed but I can let you know whether or not I'm coming with you based on your fruit. I can't put you anywhere, but I ain't got to go where you're going. I did have the right to see if you look like Jesus. I did have the right to see if your character matched the character of Christ. I did have the right to survey how you treat your family and your relationships and your friends. I did have the right to know if you had any friends. Let me tell you, if you date somebody ain't got no friends, run. (laughs) You at least should be a friend of Jesus. (laughs) I'm telling the truth. Simple things that I never knew. Oh, why you got no friends? Oh, people just don't understand me. (laughs) No, you have a bad character. That's what that was. And I found out. And the biggest lie I believe, y'all, for real, is that, oh, well, because he said he loves God, he can get a pass. No, 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 no. No. Well, but he's going to join a small group. He reads his Bible sometime. And, and I gave excuses that I didn't have to give. Because remember, I in authority over something. <laughs> so all I had to do was say, well, if you can't help yourself, you can't help me. If you're not doing what it takes for you, I can't ask you to come where I'm going. If I'm not saying you bear the fruit of Christ, how can we represent the image of God together in the world? Maybe all of this time, we should have been making our relationships through God, for God. Maybe the way that we choose is based on Christ's likeness because our purpose is to keep recreating Christ's likeness. But you can't recreate something that doesn't look like Christ. You can't join with somebody who doesn't look like Jesus. You can't join with somebody that's not bearing the character of Christ because everything that you've been given the authority to do is linked to that. I'm preaching to somebody. It's so important that we understand our relationship to God.
before we ever engage people because we will miss our divine purpose of walking in authority and recreating that image through our families. You're not just dating somebody to date. You're dating your child's future father or mother. And if you can't see them keeping your kids, then you shouldn't be in relationship with them. If you can't see them rearing your kids up in godliness so that you can continue to share Christ, what's the purpose? So our relationships from God are still for God. And we should have his heart in mind, his plan in mind when we make that decision. Mm, I don't even know where I came from. Mm, Jesus, help me. Somebody need to hear that, I guess. Um, Jesus is not just good to pacify you until you get in a relationship. He is the only one who will ever satisfy the longing of your heart. I wish someone would have told me this years ago, that I was looking for love in all the wrong places and that the one who would ultimately satisfy my heart was always the one who wanted me first. You see, anybody else who pursues you is still, you're still their second choice because God chose you first. And a lot of people don't believe that because they don't know how much God loves them. You'll always be whoever you're with. You'll always be their second choice because God chose you first and he beat everybody to you. There's no way that he can be outdone in his love and in his pursuit and in his heart for you. And it's good that you know that somebody is choosing you second because you want them to choose God first. You want them to choose God first. <laughs> See, we allow ourselves to stay in toxic relationships because we don't know the best we can get has always been found in Jesus. <laughs> he is the love of our lives. And the fruit of our relationships outside of Christ, they don't work. Like there, there is none. You cannot bear fruit in relationships outside of Christ. And we should be able to see Christ in others before we ever commit to having a deep relationship with that person. We should look to Jesus as the standard for how we treat others in healthy relationships. See, we should never set expectations in others to provide happiness or heal our insecurities or to affirm our identity. And sadly, all of us at some point have mistakenly asked someone to do God's job. And that's why our relationship wasn't successful. Or maybe we signed up to be someone's God and Savior and didn't realize what we were being asked of. Then we fail and so does the relationship. Been on both sides. See, no one is good at being someone else's God. <laughs> I'm grateful. I'm grateful that God always initiated with me so that I would realize that his love is enough. That he didn't come through the back door. He was the first one that ever pursued me with love. And that he said that he would be my God. He didn't ask me to take care of him. He didn't ask me to fulfill his needs. He said, I want to fulfill yours because that's why I designed you. 
I think it breaks God's heart to know that people are looking to lesser lovers when he's the one that loves you best because he is love. And it's so sad because if we desired to receive the love of Christ as much as we desired human love, we would be radically changed. (laughs) If we would realize that we're not waiting for likes because God already likes us, if we would realize that all these other affirmations only last so long before we don't even believe what people say, but that God's affirmation is real and it's true and it's everlasting. I'm glad that I finally responded to the most perfect love that I'll ever have. So now the rest of my relationships can flourish because I'm not asking them to be God. I'm not asking them to fulfill my every desire and satisfy me and make me happy. The world offers that and they lie. But when Jesus says that he will give you his joy and your joy will be full, he means that. I met a girl who told me, I just can't believe that God can love just me and everyone else at the same time. (laughs) And it's fair to say that that can be difficult to understand. However, God came in human form, but he doesn't love like us. He is divine, and so is his love. He can do all things, like design each one of us so uniquely that we don't share the same fingerprint. Well, if that's the case, then surely he can love us uniquely and individually while loving the whole world at the same time. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Here at the table, we are discovering Jesus together. If you were encouraged by today's message, do us a favor and subscribe to this podcast. That way you never miss out on future episodes. Also, help us get the word out by sharing this podcast on your preferred social media platform. To keep up on what's happening in our community, you can follow us on Facebook at The Table or on Instagram at The Table CCLA.